Hey everyone, and welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with Nicole Van Quatham. This podcast shares helpful tips, real stories, and honest conversations about holistic nutrition, natural living, movement, and everything in between to help you uplevel your health, life, and mindset. The goal of this podcast is to help individuals realize that with simple changes, they too can live a happier, healthier, and more balanced life. I'm your host, Nicole Van Quatham, holistic nutritionist and owner of Simply Nick Nutrition. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Random Wellness Podcast with myself, Nicole Van Quatham. I'm really excited because I get to interview my friend, Amy Rohr, today, and she is a yoga teacher and meditation teacher and is just a wealth of information and knowledge and is just so kind and caring. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, making me blush. <laughs> Not that they can see that. <laughs> yeah, she's blushing, guys. Yeah. I can see it. Um, maybe just to start off, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your health journey, I know um, about it, mm-hmm. um, knowing you, but I think it's just really inspiring uh, for other people to kind of learn about that journey and how it's kind of brought you to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's so easy to talk about it with you, just because we have had these conversations before. And sure. it's so awesome. I just want to say first off that you're launching this and that you're putting this information out there because I know on my health journey I remember listening to podcast after podcast and taking so much um, through listening to other people's struggles and what they've been through and how universal that actually is for a lot of people and sometimes you don't know what somebody's even going through it can be invisible. I love that that's actually a really good point to bring forward because I think now that you say that out loud this like me hearing other people's podcasts and like sharing their stories is probably one of the reasons why I got to the point where I wanted to start my own. So it's kind of, I'm just like realizing as you're saying this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing. And I know um, just the more that I share my story and I learn from others and like, we're all in this life together. So the more that we can, you know, be a little bit vulnerable and, um, it might empower somebody else to make a little small change in their life or to find their voice in some way. Uh, I think that has a huge ripple effect that you don't necessarily get to see, but I think it will be a huge effect that's going out into the world. So a little bit about me. Um, So I live, or I grew up in the same uh, small town as Nicole. Ontario, woo woo. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I, left Tilsonburg. I traveled a lot. I worked on cruise ships. I taught across um, overseas English as a second language. Uh, That led me back eventually. I moved back to New Brunswick. I went to university in New Brunswick. I was studying business there. Um, And that's when I started going through some of my health struggles. So um, I was 27, I guess at the time. And that's when I I just started to wake up with a lot of pain. Um, It started in my hands, started going from one hand to the other, down to my feet. And unfortunately, I kind of had an idea of what it was. My mom was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis um, shortly after I was born. And so I grew up seeing her struggle. It's an autoimmune disease. Um, And again, very invisible to many people, but it's your immune system basically attacking your body. So... Um, I had a, a not a good feeling that that's what it might have been. 
And because I was so young um, and I didn't have a family doctor, it took a long time. Well, I mean, long for me, it was about a year before I was actually diagnosed with it. And yeah, I would just say that was a very hard year in my life. Um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of not knowing or understanding um, what, it, what to do because I didn't really have anybody listening to me in the medical community. Uh, finally, I saw a, a great doctor at the university I was going to who listened and he was like, there's definitely something going on here. And he sent me for x-rays that showed joint changes in my hands. And then within a few months, I saw a rheumatologist and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So that really lit a fire in me. Um, I remember being very upset, like having a few days where I just cried, like and bawled my eyes out because I was so scared. Like I had seen what it had done to my mom over the years and just knew her struggles. And, um, you know, you kind of like have that fear of like, that's going to happen to me. And I remember her saying something to me like, oh, I don't know what it was, but you know, yes, you might have this, but this doesn't define who you are. And your story is not my story. So, you know, it might not be the same outcome for you, or you have a lot of different avenues to go down. And lucky for me, I was already, I was active. Um, I grew up playing a lot of sports. Um, and I was already doing yoga. So that kind of brings me to yoga's peace in my healing journey. During that year, um, I was going to yoga almost every day. So it would be to the point where I could hardly get out of bed. Like I'd, it would take me like a couple hours to even get going in the morning. Like had to crawl to the shower sometimes, like could hardly lift my arms over my head. Um, and eventually after, you know, an hour or two, I would start to get a little bit more ability, mobility and I would go to a yoga class and then I would feel like 75% better. So there was this huge shift in like how I would feel after going to a yoga class. And it was like, I was so dependent on yoga to keep me moving. Cause once you stop moving and you know, your joints are inflamed and you immobilize, it's really hard to, to get that back. Mm. So I just knew I had to keep moving and yoga was my, I call it my saving grace <laughs> because it really was um, not just physically, but mentally, I felt more at ease. I just felt more in my body. Um, and I knew there was something there. So like over this course of a year, I was like I, yoga every day or very seldom would I miss a day. And I thought, you know what, if it's helping me this much in one hour a day, like what would it do if I were to learn everything there was to learn about yoga or for, if I were to just go more intensively and jump into my teacher training. And like me and you were just talk, kind of talking about how you had this goal of starting the podcast. And to me, that's where I was at in my mind. It was like kind of a goal, a dream. I didn't know how it would happen. Um, but I put that message out there. <laughs> and yeah, a lot just shifted. Within a few months of when I decided I really wanted to do my yoga training, I ended up resigning from the job that I was working in. It came to the end of a contract and I was out east in New Brunswick, packed up, moved all my things back home, hopped on a plane and went to the Bahamas and lived uh, at a yoga retreat center for three months. So I did my yoga training and then I did some karma yoga. So basically it was just uh, volunteer work, but I was able to stay in this place and absorb everything I had learned and continue to put it to practice. So I went back there this year and it's like, just to see full circle how 
how my life has changed in the last five years is it's very emotional like when I think back about it because it's like I'm a different I'm in a different place um as much as the hardship was very difficult to get through in that first year it's put me on a completely different path and I know I'm sure you can agree just with everything that you've been through as well that it's like it's almost in a way been a blessing because it's changed my life and there's still days that are not easy because I still have to manage a disease um but I have so much more knowledge now that helps me (laughs) and I have my practice and a job that I love and all of that has impacted my my health um in a way that like I'm empowered now whereas before I didn't have a lot of the tools I needed to to understand how to deal with it so yeah that's gotten me to where I am now and um I think this is like we're recording this at the end of 2019 and I look back over the last five years or 10 years, my husband and I were talking about this the other day, like, where were you 10 years ago? <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy when you look back and think like, what's happened in 10 years? And I just feel like I'm starting 2020 off, like, in such a good place, as far as the changes and like, living my life authentically and like, continuing to step into um, what I want to create. So. That's yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. So I'm much excited to like listen to this in 2020. <laughs> in the future. In the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually such like a wild concept. Mm-hmm. Like 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, yep. And you know, like, did you see people on Instagram doing those like throwback photos to like 10 years ago versus like today? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, That's really great for you. But I personally, got rid of all those photos so that yeah. no one could ever see them so like, <laughs> I don't have a photo to bring up on I don't my know if I, I guess if I looked far back enough I might be able to find one but yeah I, yeah I don't think like a picture really reflects no everything. It, but it, it is so important I think to look back and just see what you can achieve in five years you know because we underestimate like all the little actions that we take all the time but that does eventually lead you to make you know, big changes over a span of five years. Totally. And like, even I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in that every day, you know, kind of grind with like running a business and working and, Mm -hmm. and I know it's a big mindset thing, focusing on those, you know, maybe negative things or challenging things, but I think it's really important to like, think about all the wins that you've had, especially I think as a business owner too, it's like, yeah, a year goes by so fast. Yeah. Like, it's kind of scary. And to think, like, think about all the stuff you just accomplished, <laughs> even in, like, the last couple of months, year, two years, right? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. so easy to just forget about on. them. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good practice to to reflect on your wins, I think. Yeah. And, and to reflect on, like, some of the hardships that you've had, but how that ebbs and flows right and so you know they don't last forever but you have to go through those you know hard chapters or hard seasons sometimes to gain wisdom and perspective and that is what for me has like lit the fire in me to keep exploring and um, keep learning and keep growing and without growth we would be where we are 10 years ago, right? It's yeah, like, totally. <laughs> we have to go through that in order to kind of like break out of our, where we were then. And 
that excites me. Like when I think where we are now and then 10 years from now is like, there's so much that can happen. <laughs> totally. Now you said a couple really, I feel like powerful things when you're talking about like your health story that maybe you can expand on. You just did a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of them was what your mom said. And I found it interesting because it could have been so easy for you to see what she went through and think that that's what your life was going to be like, mm-hmm. or, you know, let that define who you are. Yeah. Or let, you know, the rheumatoid arthritis define you as a person. So how did you deal with that from like a mindset perspective, like not letting, you know, this disease define who you are? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that that's a practice and it's something that I still have to practice mm-hmm. because so even a few weeks ago, my mom just had her third, she had her um, knee replaced and she's had three surgeries in the last three years. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it's a constant reminder to me of what this disease um, can do. And I'm so blessed in the sense that we have all the information at our fingertips. Like we live in this world now where we can learn and connect with others. And I've, I've connected with a lot of people in the RA community um, that I've learned so much from. And my mom didn't have that 30 years ago. There was like, she couldn't even go online. Could you imagine living in the time of like not being able to go online and, and ask Dr. Google for, you know, some information as far as like support groups or nutrition or like, I mean, the internet can go both ways. It can be too much for you sometimes, mm-hmm. too much information overload, but I would rather live in the world where I have information than nothing at all. And wow. so, yeah, I do feel like I'm blessed in the sense that I've gotten to learn a lot uh, through the information we have available. Um, But as far as comparing my story to hers, uh, it's something that I still have to practice because I can, I think fear like can come and go. Right. And so I get, I still have those moments where I do get fearful as far as um, you know, what my life looks like, but that's the whole point of being in um, the arena of like practicing being present and mindfulness and coming back into my heart and like getting out of my mind. And that's where yoga and meditation have helped me tremendously is just being able to slow down and come back to the truth of what I know to be true. And when I remove um, the stimulation of like my fears and I come into my practice, that's when a lot of those fears, I just, I can see them like as fear and it is necessarily true. Yeah. No, that's like completely relatable. Yeah. And that's, that's hard though. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, the mind can be very convincing sometimes. And so learning to watch your mind and in yoga, we call it the monkey mind. And if you let it, it will jump all over the place. <laughs> like your mind can be pretty impressive the where it can go. And uh, yoga and meditation really meditation has come to me in the last few years okay um i find that that's it's like yoga is so much more than just the physical postures um you know it's about proper relaxation proper breathing proper diet as well so that's one aspect of yoga is ahimsa so non-violence to ourselves through our diet and everything that we expose ourselves to and then meditation and mindfulness so if 
you know, when people tell me, oh, I'm not flexible, I can't practice yoga. It's like, that is just one of the pillars of yoga. So even if you can, you know, be in a chair, like I teach a lot of chair yoga. If you can be in a chair laying in bed, but be connected to your breath and feel awareness in your body, like you're practicing yoga. And so that really got me through, um, you know, those challenging days in the beginning. But then I've had, you know, a few flare ups over the last few years where I can't just hop on my mat and do my regular practice. So accepting that, accepting that, you know, this is a a day where I have to be gentle with myself Mm -hmm. and focusing more on mindfulness and my breath um, has, yeah, it's been a huge shift in as far as being able to connect like and be okay with pain sometimes like we're in this world where we freak out like anytime we have to go through something uncomfortable yes pop an advil pop like you know we don't want to be uncomfortable but being uncomfortable or being okay with the uncomfortable is is what yoga is it's like teaching you to to sit with it to sit with it and not run away from what you're experiencing that's really powerful yeah yeah that's like it and again, it's like, an, if I wouldn't have had to go through like the pain and the struggles, like I wouldn't have ever pushed myself to get to this place to learn, like to keep learning more about, you know, mindfulness and meditation and trauma and the anxiety and fear and like all these emotions that actually continue to trigger pain in the body. Right. And so this is where I'm like geeking yeah. out, but I want to keep exploring. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing some trauma training. I actually did one this this year, but Ooh. I'm starting the training next year. And that's where I, I think I'm going to keep going and just learning more about that because that sounds- that's what life's calling me to do right now. Yeah, that sounds really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about that. So is it yeah. kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, like talking about kind of the mental state and how that impacts like your physical health and pain or in a a way but more looking so at so people have been through trauma um whether that be you know a health incident or when you're young like maybe a fall car accident physical injury um war like physical abuse mental abuse as a child so more trauma in that sense Mm -hmm how we can get stuck in those states or like the energy can be stuck in that body, in your body. And so just through movement and breath work and mindfulness, like allowing or getting yourself to a place where you can work through those blockages and release that energy uh, like animals do. So animals like in trauma in the wilderness, like they'll just shake that right out out of themselves. It's fascinating when you see. Yeah. And like, you know, we're like animals, but we have, um, a much more developed mind that stops us from doing that sometimes because we think we overthink things like we get stuck into the mental aspect of what that trauma has done or like if you were to start shaking when something happened to you would be scared you would think that that's wrong to do that but in fact it's the correct way to dispel that energy from the body so yeah I'm I'm ex- super excited because I feel, and in my practice as, as a teacher, I've, I've noticed that this has happened. Like in, when people are really relaxed, sometimes they'll have emotional releases. It's happened to me. And I don't know if you've ever been in a class, like where you just feel super emotional. You'll, people will start crying sometimes without understanding why. 
but it's it's like your body is immobilized in a safe way that it's actually safe to release um, that energy or it could be trauma stored from years ago that you don't even know why it's coming out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to go too deep. People be yeah. like, what is she talking oh, about? Oh, I love this. Yeah. I did Reiki for the first time. I talk about it in one of the episodes, but I did it for the first time like last spring. Yeah. And it was like wild. I was like, yeah. I started like tearing up before I was even like <clears throat> laying down. I was like, I don't know what's happening to my body right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> And there, yeah, there's just this whole world of, um, like, you just see how, how much more we are than just a physical body. Like, when you start learning about the energy systems and um, our connection to everything around us, and, you know, you can feel that. You can feel that energy when you walk into a room, you know, when you sure. walk into a room where people have been arguing, you can feel that energy without anybody saying anything. Yeah. So you think about how our bodies absorb all that energy too. And we're just sensitive beings <laughs> that sometimes don't, don't know how to, you know, process those emotions. For sure. And one thing that you just said too, is like absorbing that energy. So I think, and I personally think I'm bad at this, but I'm like, we'll absorb other people's like energy and emotion. Yes. To a fault. Yes. Um, just because I feel like I'm just kind of like, I'm listening and I'm very like hyper aware of that. Yeah. That I can like, I do really notice if there is like tension in a room or someone is upset. Like I feel that. I'm the same. I'm very sensitive to, um, to people's energies around me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a whole part of learning how to, um, to not take on people's Mm -hmm. energy like to be present but to not take on their energy is like sometimes I'll imagine that energy like washing off my body shaking it out right again like once you leave a place like where you feel that like just let your body shake like like you're dancing crazy like my husband dance I just do the husband dance you know and they (laughs) shake uncontrollably like that's amazing (laughs) now as a practitioner like is that one of the things you do then because you're you know you're helping people through vulnerable like movement and maybe when you're doing like especially with the one-on-one coaching I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that can be maybe a little bit heightened so how do you protect your own energy in the work that you do yeah that's something I've had to really learn how to balance like Mm -hmm. I was chatting with you a little bit um is is just learning to take create space in my day where I'm not overworking or over teaching, um, create, make sure I'm taking time for my own practice. Cause if I'm not grounded, how can I be grounded for somebody else? Um, and yeah, sometimes like you do have to take some, some time after a session to just like reground yourself and shake it off or, you know, come back to your breath, like just taking a few moments after to, to regroup. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Cause even if you find like with you, like when you're sensitive, it doesn't even have to be somebody you're working with, right? It could just be anyone you come in contact throughout the day. Yeah. Um, just sometimes we have to take a moment, like pause and like, let imagine that washing off of you. I like that. Cause I think that's a tool that any of us can really use throughout our day. Totally. Yeah. Some people might not even realize that they're taking on other people's energies. Like even I, we might be a little bit more aware and sensitive to that but yes I mean 
if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, I don't like really notice, like you actually might be taking on that. Yeah, energy. notice how you feel like when you talk to certain people. Yeah. Um, like ask yourself like a little truth check-in, like after, you know, it, it's, it could be anything in your life. So like when you're driving to your work, like how do you feel? You know, when you're talking to somebody, how do you feel? When you get asked to go do something, like how do you feel? Like you get that intuition that is either like a positive or a negative and we can't control everything. Like, you know, we still have to deal with certain people, but at least then you know it's something that might be sensitive for you and you can come back to those practices like shaking it off or imagining it washing off your body or coming into a little bit of pranayama, deep breathing, like just to reground yourself. Yeah. Now, one thing you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, just touched on it briefly, was about how yoga is more than just like the movement that we think, right? There's Mm -hmm. the mindfulness piece, the breathing, but also the nutrition. And what was the term for that? Um, So in my training, we call it the five pillars of yoga. And so the Sanskrit word is ahimsa, which translates to nonviolence. So I love that because I like when I'm explaining that in my classes, like everyone can understand like nonviolence to ourself in a way that everything we take in. So like when you eat, you know, fast food or something really heavy or full of sugar, like you don't feel great. Like you feel lethargic after. And so that's a sign, like a cue that it's not a positive thing to be be bringing into our body. Um, but also like what we're drinking, what we're watching, what we're listening to, um, you know, our, our relationships around us, all of that is what we're taking in to our body. But I, I'm fascinated by nutrition. Like that's been a big part of my healing process yeah. as well. You want to touch on that? Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> I think I could say that. Like I've been vegetarian. I dabbled being vegan. Um, I still eat a lot of plant-based foods. Um, I ate quinoa for about a year to see how that would do. (laughs) I'm juicing and I've come to a place where I'm much more flexible now. Um, I don't, I don't do well being rigid with myself. Like, and I find that that just puts a lot of pressure on and mental pressure. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole other piece of the, the emotions of what we're eating is like, if you're, if you're stressed about what you're eating and in the beginning, I would say that that I found it really stressful and that's why I think it's so awesome what you do, like taking the stress out and actually helping people um, feel empowered with choice and Mm -hmm. making it a little bit more simple. Like I remember going to a natural path um, when I was first, actually this was before I was even diagnosed, but I was like experiencing all my symptoms and I don't remember exactly what the diet plan was, but it was like, here's everything you have to eliminate. And I went home like, and like quinoa was like something on there and um, like, like grains I had never even heard of. (laughs) And like, that's fine. (laughs) There was no recipes. And I was like, okay, so here's everything I can eat. Like, what can I eat? And then I didn't have like any recipes as far as like, that were really easy to get me started. So I had, I remember in the beginning being like, well, I can't eat that. I can't eat this. Like being fear, having fear around the food because I thought it was like causing me all, all the inflammation. And so 
yeah, like now I'm at a place where like, I just, I love cooking now. I, I love eating well. Like I see the food as energy and um, just a gift, like really a gift to be able to give my body what it needs to thrive. And um, like, I'm not a hundred percent perfect with my diet and we all make mistakes and sure. I'm so much more aware now though. It's like, I can feel the cues that my body gives me when, you know, when you do eat something that's um, maybe not in agreement with your body and it's just I'm so much more intuitive now how I eat which I think is it takes some time like to get to that place um, and that's why I think it's awesome what you do is because you just you're like that helping hand that takes the stress out of it a little bit and empowers people to make small changes and it doesn't have to all happen at once and to not fear food yes. um, so food really is a gift yeah but I think it, it's, I like that you shared your story too, about like being a little bit fearful at the beginning and then also trying all these different ways of eating because yeah. I have not like maybe the same way, but have also experienced something similar. It's like, you know, being told that you have to cut out certain foods and some of it was a blessing to know yeah. that those foods need to be eliminated because <laughs> it did make me feel tremendously better. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it creates a lot of fear around yeah. what you're eating because you're like am I contributing to the condition that I have so you can't just like eat something and not think about what it's doing like I wasn't worried about from like a weight perspective or yes it was like what it, what's happening on the inside that I can't see yeah absolutely so it's and it's again that intuitive eating and knowing those like feeling those hunger cues and also when you do eat something that doesn't agree with you, like that does take time. So for people mm -hmm. listening, like don't think that it's something that's going to happen overnight. You no. know, it, it takes years for your body to understand what it, what works for it and what doesn't work for yes. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you have to, like, again, I wouldn't go back and change it because no. um, going through like an elimination diet really gave me perspective as far as like, there was a lot of things I was reacting to in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I guess looking back, I just wish that um, some of the people I was working with, like I would have loved to have met somebody like you because that's where I found a gap in the information. It was like, okay, here's the things that you need to cut out. But there wasn't like a handbook and on like, here's all the great foods that you can eat. So it was more focused on like what I couldn't eat and not so much on how to make positive changes with my cooking um but when i went to go do my yoga training so i lived at this place for three months and the food was amazing mm. it was all vegetarian but like so much fruit and veggies and everything was cooked fresh like nothing was processed um and just high vibrational foods that i started to notice huge changes there like my digestion started improving. I had so much more energy. So I was able to, like I was in a yoga training learning for 10 hours a day, but I had the energy to actually like sit and not be tired throughout that process. Mm. So that's where I really started to notice like a difference. And then when I left um, my yoga training, I had learned a lot about Ayurveda as well. So the great thing about being at this place was they had guest speakers and like, you're just, you're in this pool of like information of just, um, you get to meet amazing people that were coming to do um, talks and workshops and Ayurveda, which is the sister science to yoga is all about like 
eating with the seasons and eating through your body. And it just started to click for me. I was like, yes, like this is, this makes sense. It's not like a crazy, like at that point, I remember paleo was like kind of where I started, I think. Okay. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with like experimenting, but I just loved that Ayurveda was, was centuries old. It was like eating for your body and uh, eating with the seasons and understanding how mother nature like provides different foods at different times of the year for us. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I kind of dabble. I was like, I got to learn more about this. And I went to do, uh, I think it was like 10 day cooking course Okay. Um, at another retreat center in New York. And that's where I really learned like how to cook the foods that I was eating at the ashram. And I came back from that being like, oh my gosh, I love cooking. Like I just wanted to keep experimenting with all my recipes. And I had all these recipes to start um, trying at home. And that's where I really started to feel more empowered with my food. Usually when you're taken out of the comfort of your own home, Mm -hmm. you are experiencing like imbalances. Like you might be like constipated or have like other issues when you're traveling. So the fact that you actually felt better and had more energy is like it speaks like a lot to the food that you're eating yes now I mean I don't know as much about I'm gonna say it wrong Ayurveda Ayurveda. I feel like I always I've been saying it wrong like well forever yeah (laughs) I feel like I've been saying it like I instead of wait no a Ayurveda. I don't know. I'm probably butchering it too (laughs) we're actually both saying it wrong don't listen to anything we're saying um (laughs) And like, I know that you are much more well-versed in that and, you know, the concepts, but I think there's some really key points that you mentioned that can be applied to anyone. And that's things like eating mm-hmm. with the seasons. Yes. And it makes so much sense to me anyways, because if you think about when the seasons change and you start to crave different foods, mm-hmm. like us being in the winter right now, I don't know about you, but I crave a lot more like starchy vegetables and soups and stews so I'm assuming that probably kind of ties in that totally correlates right because in the in the in the spring is like when we have um greens and sprouts and like things that are growing that are meant to help cleanse us going into the summer is really hot so that's when we want to be drinking more smoothies and cooling foods and salads and then you go into the winter when our digestive system is a little bit weaker like so we need more fire to help you know process those heavier foods and we are naturally drawn like I love soup now I'm making like chilies and stews and soup and I I've like I still eat a little salad but I'm not craving salad I'm not craving like those cooling foods um like I do in the summertime and yeah Ayurveda like eventually when you are balanced is just eating with the seasons but when you come into it you could look up online. There's different ways to um, do like a test to see what you're predominant in. So they look at pitta, vata, and kapha, and we all have a combination of all three. So very seldom would you be like a complete balanced, like tridosha. Some people are, okay. but you're usually more dominant at birth. Like you come in with a constitution. Gotcha. But what happens over time is maybe you've went um, through something or like you have some sort of imbalance. So like for, for me, for sure, I was going through imbalances right. when I started um, learning about this. And you want to focus on what you're imbalanced in. You want to balance that 
um, constitution. So for me, I had a Vata imbalance. Okay. And like, I was always really cold, especially in the beginning. Like I had really poor circulation. My fingers were cold, but I'm actually more of a, like growing up, I was always like really hot. Like I'm a Pitta. So that's like the fire, mm. the freckles, like the auburn hair. Like I'm like a poster child for Pitta. But <laughs> I was experiencing a lot of Vata imbalance. So that's where I started looking at my Vata imbalances and treating that. Wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. Like I, and I love, it actually correlates a lot with um, just what you learn now as far as like eating whole foods and eating and we're all different, right? So I love that you work more one-on-one with people and you find out what their unique situation is. And it's, so this is the cool thing is it also applies to yoga. So your practice could be different. So somebody who's like a really um, like, type A person, adrenaline, loves to like work out all the time. It's like they actually don't need to be going to like hot yoga all the time or really active practice. They need to slow down a little bit more to balance that energy. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's where my practices change. Like, so now I, I love restorative yoga. Um, it's super important for me to do my meditation practice to ground myself because I am like a, a an energetic, um, like kind of stubborn leader, you know, like that's my like personality is like, uh, a little bit more aggressive. So, and not in a bad way, like that's part of my strengths, but learning to balance, um, what our, what our constitution is, is so helpful because we need to be both. Like we need to be active and passive. And if we're stuck in activity all the time, we don't have the ability to switch into, like being passive, being cool, being relaxed, um, dealing with, you know, stress and being able to like deal with it from a calm place is very hard if you're always stuck in activity all the time. Whereas somebody who's like Kafa is like the complete opposite. They're like the go with the flow, chill, like in a good way, but like a couch, like potato, but like it's a strength for them that they're like, so it's very hard to frazzle them in any way. Yeah. Well, to get their energy moving, like they actually need more of a flow class, like more of a, um, a vinyasa class, like to get that energy moving. That's so interesting. Yeah. I want to take this test now because I feel like I would be on, I think the Pitta maybe side of things and my husband's the complete opposite yeah. <laughs> of me. So it's like, <laughs> So I'm like, that's actually kind of interesting from like a relationship standpoint. Yeah, it's so cool. And it it just gives you, I think it's good to have um, kind of like archetypes to be able to look at, to understand your personalities. Right. And like, I can't expect my husband to deal with things the same way I do because we are opposite. And in fact, it's, I'm sure you find too with your husband, like it's, it's a good thing to get, oh, he's like, you know, the, the go with the flow, the calm one. Like for me, and we laugh about this though, because it takes him, like I'm so like quick, like in conversation. And for him, I'll ask him a question. He's like, I can see the wheels like turning, but he's so analytical. Like he thinks, I'm like, did you hear me? <laughs> you know, like, uh, but to not yeah. expect him to, you know, to, to talk and think and be like me, like he's not me. So I need to you need to respect like people when they're different and then you see it in other people and you can see mm-hmm. like we're not the same so we you know you can't get upset with people when they don't deal with the situation or answer us the way that we would answer them you know 
Right. We're not the same people and that's a good thing. Yeah. I really like what you said about how, you know, the foods that your body might need is obviously going to be different from person to person, but also your yoga practice because, and I'm just thinking like my ego definitely gets in the way. And I think that I need to be like sweating and like moving and doing all these things and like needs to be like really powerful, like in a physical sense. Mm -hmm. That's that type A personality in me coming out when in reality, I know this too, that I wouldn't, I would really highly benefit from something a little bit slower paced. (laughs) Yeah. And that, yeah, I, I, I can't agree more because I just know my practice has changed a lot and, um, like I benefit so much more from, from going to yin yoga and restorative yoga and gentle yoga and calming and grounding myself as opposed to like pushing myself in intense. I still like, I like going to hot yoga, but I just take it really gentle and I just gravitate more now towards um, like a slower practice. And it, it's, yeah, it's what I love now. In the beginning, like I would have been really uncomfortable. I remember even in my yoga training, like sitting and doing the breath work made me so uncomfortable. Mm. I wasn't comfortable being still and I wasn't comfortable being uncomfortable, <laughs> you know? So it brings up anxiety sometimes in the beginning But when you can understand that, you know, you're predominantly like more of a fiery person and you have that higher energy and that your body needs balance through slower grounding practices and you feel the difference. Like now to me, it's like a calling. Like I just am called to do a slower practice Mm. and honor that. And in my teaching, like, you know, some people want, if they are somebody who need like a more fiery practice, I honor that. Right. But, you know, there's different teachers for everyone, too. So I think that we kind of attract the right people to us. And that's why I love che- teaching chair yoga and making yoga more accessible for people mm-hmm. um, who might not think that they could practice yoga or they don't know where to start. Like, to me, that's where I that's my jam. That's like where I love being. And I I just love working with people um, at that level. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's something I wanted to speak to because I think, again, going back to that ego, you know, wanting to be like the best at something and, you know, mm-hmm. doing like the intense hot yoga, but also, you know, with social media, I think that doesn't help either because you see people who are like yoga teachers or health and wellness coaches and they're making it look unattainable, I think, yes. to some people. Um, so I think it's amazing that you're focusing on making it something accessible to everyone. Yeah, and that's where I see like um, the purpose in my pain has has shaped me to be this, you know, this teacher that can see things from the person who might not think they can even do yoga. I can see it from their perspective because I remember being there and, you know, for whatever reason, like this is the path that I'm on, but that's my place is to make yoga more accessible. And um, I don't need to be, you know, the headstand backbending yogi. Like there are, I'm not like criticizing that in any way, but I think it's so important to remember what the true aspect of yoga is, is, you know, being in our body, being able to um, balance our mind, 
you know, slowing down, tuning in. And when we do that, we're able to go off of our mat or off the chair, as I say, because I teach a lot of chair yoga, but into our day, like with a little bit more ease, more centered, more understanding of others. We make different decisions. And that to me is like where the practice ripples into our life and it actually impacts those around you because you Mm -hmm. become a different person too. Um, And that's, yeah, that's to me the essence of what yoga is, is it's so much more than just the physical, but the physical is important, right? Because with a strong, healthy body, we are able to live um, life to the best of our abilities. And if you look back centuries ago in yoga, it all started with um, doing the physical posture so that they could sit longer in meditation. Mm. Uh, and if you're, you know, if you practice meditation, you know that sitting for more than five minutes in the same um, spot in cross-legged position is pretty friggin' uncomfortable in the beginning. Yep. <laughs> uh, and like, I hated sitting like that and my back like couldn't handle it. And now not saying like I sit for hours at a time, but it's strengthening your body to be able to, you know, to sit and to be stronger throughout the day and have more flexibility and better circulation and improve muscle tone, like all of those physical benefits that are undeniable. Like no matter what yoga class you're going to, you're going to be receiving physical benefits in some way, but I think it's really important to remember and learn the other aspects of yoga because to me, that's what the practice is truly about um, and has made such an impact in my life. Now, for people who are listening and might be maybe beginners or are a little you know, scared to start yoga, what are some good, because I know there's so many different types, one mm-hmm. of them being like the chair yoga that you talked about. So um, do you have any recommendations for people who are looking into just kind of starting slowly into yoga? Yeah, so I would um, look like in your community, of course, um, try to find a gentle Hatha class or yoga for beginners and go to a class, like just go to a few classes and experiment and you'll find, like you want to find a teacher that resonates with you and it's okay. Like if you go to a class and you don't totally like vibe, like go to a different one. <laughs> and right. I found so many teachers like, um, like I love and I continue to go to their classes and then you're going to go to some classes and they just don't drive with you. And that's okay too. Right. Like it's finding your place. And, um, for some people, like that's why they'll come to chair yoga is because they can't get down on the ground. So if that's, mm-hmm. if that's somewhere you're starting, like looking for a chair yoga, you can message me, we can chat more. Yeah. So like I can look into your area and make some recommendations. Amazing. Um, yeah. And there are, there are a lot of tools online as well. Like even just starting with a gentle chair yoga video on YouTube. Like I've, I know it sounds silly, but you can actually just start there um, to start learning some of the basics, but it is important to find a community. I would really mm-hmm. highly recommend finding a class in your community. It's not meant to be practiced. Um, on your own all the time it's it's great to develop the skills to practice and have your own home practice but then going to a class once a week and being in that community of like-minded people because it's just that social interaction and people who are like-minded and who are tuning into you know being their best self and um, you're gonna you're gonna feed off that too and it's part of the practice is is being in community for sure and like do you notice as a practitioner 
like that sense of community when you're teaching and seeing it in the people that are in the class with you? Yes. Yeah, I actually, like, I'm moving more towards group classes in the new year. I'm still doing a little bit one-on-one work, but Mm -hmm. the reason I started one-on-one work was to help people, like, in unique situations. So if they're dealing with an injury or physical, like, illness, like, some someone like me who is starting with an autoimmune disease and they just Mm -hmm. don't know where to start or they need, like, a really gentle practice – um, and then helping them gain the skills to to know how to modify for themselves so that, that when they do go to another group class, they have kind of that basic knowledge where, okay, they're doing headstand. I'm not going to do headstand. I can do cat-cow or I can come into this variation of the pose. Um, but eventually getting them to a place where they're ready to practice in, in community. Um, and that's where I'm kind of shifting to is I want people to be able to like to work one on one for for a time frame, but then getting them to a place where they can integrate into into a group class. That's amazing, and I think both are really important because obviously that community aspect, but also that you know I think too with like exercise and yoga, like it's if you're new to it, it's like a really vulnerable way to like move your body. Yeah, the fact that you're like offering that one on one. I feel like it's really amazing to get people comfortable before going yeah. to a class. Like, I think the fact, like, when I first started going, like, my undergrad, I had literally no idea. I didn't even know what the, like, Shavasana was. So, like, when they <laughs> said that, and I was, like, laying down. I'm, like, looking around the room being, like, I think I lay down now. Like, I literally didn't know, right? It's, like, what we're doing? Yeah, is that what we're doing? Yeah. This yoga? I don't know, right? Yeah. So and like, I, like, to me, I love... I just love like the learning about why we're doing what we're doing. Like I'm always like, I don't know if it's just, I've grown up always kind of like wanting to learn, keep Mm -hmm. learning. And that's what pushed me to become a yoga teacher was like, why am I feeling so much better after doing an hour practice? And so I like, we were talking about how, you know, it's important to remember where people are starting, like what we know that we didn't know when we started and I try to incorporate that into my classes or when I'm working one-on-one. And the great thing about working one-on-one in in the beginning is you have more space and time to be able to have those conversations with people. Uh, In group class, like, you know, there's more people in the room, so you can talk about like a concept, but you can't like sit and have dialogue back and forth the whole time, right? Because you are doing a practice. Whereas one-on-one, you can dig into like those deeper concepts and, um, help somebody create a practice unique for them and where they're starting. So it's, I think it's really important if you are starting and you're, you might be in a unique situation where you feel like you would benefit from one more one-on-one support, find somebody like find a good teacher in your area who provides that because they're, they're, they're out there. It just takes I'll a link bit. you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm totally willing to even just chat like yes. if you're not in my area, but we can just have that conversation to help get you started. Yeah. And I, another thing too, is I went to you, oh, it probably would have been like a good year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. When we first. Yeah. And like, I'd already been to yoga classes. So Mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, still didn't really know what I was doing, but like, I had to like step back and like, because of injuries Mm -hmm. and like going to you was like really good just for like basic, like how to like hold my body in like basic positions. Yeah. Getting back to like, like basics Basic. I was just going to these classes and just like throw my body around not really knowing what I'm doing or like how I should position my wrists and like my shoulders and my neck and like 
all these little tiny tweaks that can make the world a difference. difference. Yeah. And I think it's even like, if you've been practicing yoga for years, like go to a beginner's class sometimes because we forget those things. Like, I mean, I'm teaching a lot of those classes. So I'm like, it's kind of always on my mind when I'm practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, but really, yeah, why are you doing what you're doing? Like, how is it affecting your body? <laughs> like coming into proper alignment. And when you're in a gentle, like beginner's class, like that's, that's how they're going to be teaching you. So it's sometimes that, like we think, oh, I'm not a beginner. But if you've skipped over all those steps, and you're just going right to like, you know, the advanced class, um, you might not be moving with awareness. That's true. I feel like the awareness piece is really important. Yeah. And that, I think that comes with practice and uh, learning the basics first and yes. that it's okay to start there. It's in fact, the best way to learn. And that's a practice. So you never yeah. really stop. And no, I still go to classes. Yeah. It's really important to, for me to still be a student and to still like keep learning and reintegrating what I know into my practice. And we're always changing. So our, our practice changes too and it's like it's challenging yourself some days going slower other days having that intuition just like a nutrition but intuition and in how to move your body um and you know when you're injured like are you pushing yourself to continue to do mm-hmm. your workouts or your practice it's like maybe you just need to do some restorative poses and let your your muscles and whatever the injury is but like tend to the injury and let it relax and rest and heal as opposed to like pushing through it there and that comes with intuition and um, just tuning in and I think the easiest way to do that is to start like with the basic concepts like being in your body and connected to your breath and checking in with what you need each day I love that yeah and really it comes down to listening to your body I feel like whether it's like nutrition and movement it's just really you know not forcing no certain things yeah and there's there's no perfect way like to practice there's no perfect way to eat like and we're human so we're going to have good days and bad days and you know it's all part of it's all part of the journey right okay now we're getting emotional over here yeah (laughs) no one can see us but we're like locking eyes we're like i got you girl (laughs) i actually feel like so fired up right now to like look at like the yoga schedule at my gym yeah like I'm like been a little achy lately I'm like I need to do I need to slow down yeah so this like conversation is really getting me like fired up to like not get fired up yeah good I love that (laughs) you fired up to go relaxed yeah you don't hear that that that's like my new slogan get fired up to go relax literally such a type a like way of like saying it (laughs) amazing well Thank you so much for sharing your story and also so much information about yoga and meditation and even the nutrition piece. That's such an interesting perspective that I think a lot of people can benefit from. So I really appreciate you. Of course. Thank you for asking me. I love, well, I knew it would be so fun because we can chat no problem all day long, but yeah, I'm so excited to hear your podcast and uh, to just myself get to learn through everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. And I'll link to all your, you know, socials and websites. So if people want to reach out to you, they can do that. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you could take the time to leave a positive review, that would be greatly appreciated. 
But before you sign off, I want to ask if you've ever wanted to make serious changes to your health and wellness but felt overwhelmed or confused. Let's stop this overwhelm and make healthy eating, cooking, and living easier and more fun. Head over to simplymakenutrition.com and go to the freebies page to get started on your wellness journey. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope this episode provided value and that you are inspired to live a healthier, happier, and more balanced life.